to see you. If you're able, let's stand together this morning as we join in worship. It's great to see everybody. Welcome, welcome. Come on in. This Sunday is actually the first Sunday in Lent. Last week, we had the opportunity to celebrate Ash Wednesday together to kick off the season. It didn't get snowed out this year, so that's good. It was good to be together. Beautiful time. Um, and I know sometimes people can be a little spooked by Lent, the, the Lent season, and a little bit confused about what it's all, all about. But Lent is a really incredible time for us to refocus, to reconsecrate our lives, to simplify some things, strip it back, and to reconnect with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to draw closer to our God. And so we're gonna do that together today. We're gonna recenter our lives on Him. I wanna start with a prayer. I wanna invite you to pray with me. Almighty God, you who call us to prayer and who offer yourself to all who seek your face, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us today and deliver us from coldness of hearts, from wandering minds and wrongful desires. By the power of your Spirit, place within us steadfast love and devotion so that today we may worship and serve you with all of our lives through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.
up our hearts to believe it. Oh, help our hearts to believe. Even if you can't believe it this morning, maybe we could pray. Oh Lord, help our unbelief. We believe, help our unbelief. We believe, help our unbelief, God, that your plans are still to prosper, that there is a hope, that there is a future. There's a bright day coming. Restore our hope. We believe, help our unbelief, Lord. We believe, help our unbelief, God. Let faith rise up in us. Through it all, through it all.
just, in just a minute, we're going to pray that prayer together. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. Uh, one of the reasons why I love this song and I love that prayer so much is because I think that's actually the core of every prayer that we pray. That when we're praying for healing, what we're asking is for heaven to come. When we're praying for provision, we're asking for heaven to come. When we're praying for reconciliation of relationships, we're praying for heaven to come. When we're praying for peace in the midst of conflict around the world, we're praying for heaven to come. All of our prayers are really a desperate plea for us asking Jesus, would you come back? And would you make everything right and good and beautiful and holy again? And today I want us to pray this prayer with uh, particular attention to our city. Uh, many of you know that earlier this week, um, three students lost their lives at UCCS. One in a medical incident that happened and two others in a shooting. And so here we are in our city, in the city that we love, and our city's hurting. And the core of our prayer in the midst of that is, Jesus, we want this kind of stuff to end. And this ends when heaven comes. This ends when heaven comes to earth, when Jesus returns. And there's no more death, no more violence, no more pain, no more tears. When he wipes away every tear from our eyes. So I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer today, but I want us to pray thinking particularly about UCCS. And if you're here today, maybe you're a student, maybe you teach at UCCS, you work at UCCS, you're an alumni, and you're feeling particularly burdened by what's happened at your school. If you wouldn't mind raising your hand, no pressure if you're not comfortable, but just if someone's around them and sees them, could you lay your hands on them as they particularly grieve today for what's happened at their place of, school, of schooling, their place of work, their place of memories? Let's pray this prayer together, asking for our Father to come and move in our city. The words are going to come on the screen. Let's pray this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Jesus, this is our prayer. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. And call it our springs as it is in heaven at UCCS, as it is in heaven, and the hearts and lives of all of those who are grieving and those of us who grieve with them. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth and this place as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Middle school, we love you. Have a great time with Pastor Brock and the team today. Thanks for worshiping uh, with us. If you are new or newer, you're visiting today, maybe it's your first, second, fourth, eighth time. 
Thanks for being here. We're so glad uh, that you're here. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and we'd love to get a chance to meet you. If you would take a moment and scan this QR code and fill out our guest card so that we could follow up and hear a little bit more of your story and answer any questions that you might have. If, you know, phone tech is like, eh, I don't get how this works, we've got paper copies uh, out in the lobby as well. And we'd love for you to stop by that lobby desk in the middle anyway. We've got a gift for you and include some chocolate um, on Sunday. Sundays during Lent, it's still a feast day, so you can still have chocolate on Sundays during Lent if you've given that up, and some of you are like, wait a minute, what? Uh, and your fast just got way more enjoyable all of a sudden, uh, but we'd love uh, to, to see you there. This is uh, the season of Lent, and there's some other resources uh, out there for uh, getting involved in a meal group during this time. Our meal groups are studying the practice of fasting, so I encourage you to get involved in a meal group, or if you're in one, uh, to encourage your leaders to walk through uh, that practice together. For this season, one of the things that we're going to do um, during worship as a way of preparing our hearts uh, to hear the Word of God is we're going to take a, a moment and sit in silence. Uh, so as the scripture readers come, we're going to take a moment here in just a second, but uh, I forgot the offering, so I should probably touch on that uh, really quickly first. Uh, there's also ways to participate through generosity. Generosity, uh, our God is a generous God, and He calls us to be generous people. And uh, when we share our resources together, we're able to care for one another and to care uh, for our city and our world. There's four ways that you can give. They're listed up there. You can scan the QR code, give online, mailbox uh, or boxes in the back there. And uh, if you're giving online, please make sure you select New Life Downtown as your congregation that you're participating in. But now let's take a moment and we're going to sit in silence for an uncomfortable amount of time, uh, a whole minute. Um, I know some of you are like, I haven't done that in a while. Uh, but our hope in this is to, is to create space for God, to ask Jesus to speak to us and to prepare our hearts to hear his word today. Hello, my name is David. The Old Testament reading is found in Exodus chapter 16, verses 4 to 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make bread rain down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see whether or not they follow my instruction. On the sixth day, when they measure out what they have collected, it'll be twice as much 
as they collected on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, this evening you will know that it, is, it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the Lord's glorious presence because your complaints against the Lord have been heard. Who are we? Why blame us? Moses continued. The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning because the Lord heard your complaints you made against him. Who are we? Your complaints aren't against us, but against the Lord, the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Pam. The New Testament reading is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 to 13. The one who supplies seed for planting and bread for eating will supply and multiply your seed and will increase your crop, which is righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. Your ministry of this service to God's people isn't only fully meeting their needs, but it is also multiplying in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. They will give honor to God for your obedience to your confession of Christ's gospel. They will do this because this service provides evidence of your obedience and because of your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Bob. Thank you for standing for the reading of the gospel found in John 6, verses 10 through 13. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass there. They sat down with about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he distributed it to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish each getting as much as they wanted. When they had plenty to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. The Gospel of the Lord. Please remain, staying with me as we pray, but first I have to share just a chuckle with you as, as David was reading the Old Testament reading. I don't know why this never struck me, but when I re- heard the phrase again, they had bread in the morning and meat in the evening, I said, that's my diet. Like, it's biblical, um, my pancakes in the morning and cheeseburger in the evening. Um, it's, it's, it's right there, so I felt better um, today, uh, just for a brief moment. Forget Daniel, I'm going with the Exodus diet. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we're going to pray a prayer today that is the, a prayer for the first Sunday of Lent for, uh, from the Book of Common Prayer. So, Almighty God, whose blessed Son Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us 
who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save today. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Again, it's good to see you, New Life Downtown. I forgot to say hi to everybody who's watching online. There has been so much sickness uh, going around uh, lately. So I know there's a lot of people, including my wife, who are at home watching sick. Many of you, it was the first time I got to see you in a few weeks. Have you been sick? So glad you're healthy. For those of you who are at home and sick, we're praying for you. For those of you who are on the ski slopes, uh, I don't know what we do with you, uh, but except that we love you. Uh, I hope that you're having uh, a great time. Today is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. And as Micah said at the beginning of the service, Lent can be uh, kind of an unusual word depending upon what your background is. Uh, growing up, um, it was sort of nominally a part of churches at various times. My understanding of Lent was Lent was that season that because of the Catholic community in our, in our town, we had to have fish on Fridays instead of pizza. Um, that was kind of sort of my understanding. It was like suddenly fish sandwiches for lunch instead of pizza at school, and I just couldn't wait for Lent to be over. Like, that was my entire context for it. And then when I came to faith later in high school, and particularly as I became aware of the beautiful and rich and diverse history of the church, Lent began uh, to open up to me into this beautiful season, this wonderful invitation that we have to keep company with Jesus in a particular way. So in Lent, what we do is we spend 40 days, 40 days, the same amount of time that Jesus spent in the wilderness, 40 days fasting, giving something up that we might make space in our lives to give more attention to the presence of God. Fasting so that we might pray. Fasting so that we can learn what it means to experience godly sorrow and repentance. Fasting, giving things up that we might give things out in generosity and service. And the goal of all of those practices is for us to follow Jesus to the cross to walk with him in the way that leads to life is a way that goes to, comes to life through the cross. And so there is a cross that we're called to take up and to follow Jesus. And Lent helps us to do that and prepares our hearts then to celebrate Easter, which is coming. During the season of Lent, we're continuing our series in the Gospel of John, a series that we have entitled Behold, as we're following John the Baptist's advice, the very beginning of the Gospel, where he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's really the hope of every Sunday that we would come to a moment where we would see clearly Jesus. Jesus, the one who forgives our sin, who reconciles us to God and to one another. Jesus, who brings us new life. Today, we're in John chapter 6. So if you have a Bible, you can open up or you can follow along on the screens. We're going to be looking at that famous story where Jesus feeds a crowd of 5,000 people. It's the only miracle in Jesus's ministry that's recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all pick up this account. So John chapter 6, verse 1 says, this. After this, Jesus went across the Galilee Sea, that is the Tiberias Sea. A large crowd followed him because they had seen the miraculous signs that he had done among the sick. And Jesus went up on a mountain and sat there with his disciples. It was nearly time for Passover, the Jewish 
festival. In the last chapter, Jesus was in Jerusalem and healing people there. And then suddenly the narrative shifts back to the north, to the Sea of Galilee, which if you've ever been there is really just a lake. Um, but the word sea is, you know, here. And he's here on the west side of the lake, uh, near Tiberias, but likely on the outside of the city because he goes up on a mountain. So Jesus is outside the city in a wilderness sort of area on top of a mountain. And John tells us that it's nearly Passover. Now, all the way back when we began this series, I mentioned that John's gospel may be the most distinctively Jewish of the four gospels. John is constantly referring back to things in the Old Testament, trying to get our attention. He frequently mentions specific days of the week and festivals, uh, these time signatures clue us into John's themes. John's wanting us to pay attention to time as sort of like background music or a setting, calling us to think and imagine in particular ways. He's wanting us to hear what's happening in Jesus as a resonance from what has happened in the past, what has happened with God's people. So frequently we'll be listening for the echo, listening for the background music. Passover in Jewish tradition is a a spring festival. Now, for those of you who are from Colorado, spring is this season that normally happens between uh, winter and summer where things are kind of nice for a little while and there is no snow. Uh, for those of you who just moved here, we don't have spring. Uh, we have like fake spring and then second winter and then summer. Uh, so I'm sorry, but you're going to get like a 14-inch snowfall on Mother's Day. Like, just welcome to Colorado. We're glad that you're here. Um, but it's a spring festival that's celebrating the exodus out of Egypt, God's rescue, his deliverance of his people out of slavery in Egypt. And this moment, this uh, salvific moment where God rescues his people and then delivers them out of Egypt and brings them into the promised land fills the scriptures with this rich catalog of images these rich accounts of what God has done that are all associated with his deliverance, with him sending Moses, this great leader, uh, to bring Israel out of the land of Egypt and through the sea and to a mountain in the wilderness that God might make covenant with them and then to lead them for 40 years in the wilderness, providing for them daily bread. All of those images are meant to be in the background for us. As soon as he says it was nearly time for Passover, we should hear the music start to play. John goes on and says, Jesus looked up and he saw the large crowd coming toward him on a mountain in the wilderness. And he asked Philip, where will we buy food to feed these people? And Jesus said this to test him for he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip replied, more than a half year's salary worth of food wouldn't be enough for each person to even have a little bit. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, well, here's a kid who has five barley loaves and two fish. And then he says this, but what good is that for a crowd like this? Jesus sees this mass of people and immediately becomes concerned about their food, about their lunch, or about their provision. And there's no Costco nearby here outside of Tiberias. 
And even if there was, Philip, being ever pragmatic, says, listen, even a half a year's salary, we couldn't do much. It's like it would take a lot of coin to feed these people Jesus. We don't have access to a store. We don't have resources. There is nothing that we can do. And then Andrew looks around and he finds a kid whose mom remembered to pack him a lunch. He seems to be a good Catholic boy because he's got fish and bread here in the middle of Lent. And Andrew looks at it and says, but what good is that? We could do something but we can't do much of anything. When I read this story, it's so easy for me to imagine myself in Philip and Andrew's shoes because there's so many times that this is my response to God, that whatever problem happens to be in front of me, whatever it is that I am facing, whatever it is that I am going through, oftentimes my first responses are exactly like these guys. Sort of look at the situation to look at myself, to look at the checkbook, to look at whatever might be needed for the problem and to feel utterly helpless. Or to look at the situation and try to come up with ideas, try to come up with solutions, try to think, what, what can I do in this situation and find that it's just not enough or that I'm not enough or the problem is too big there's not enough, not nearly enough. I've tried and I've come up lacking. It's too little. It's too late. The problem has gotten out of hand, if only. Anybody else find that that's an easy response to God in the midst of what's going on? To have those kinds of thoughts and questions and comments come up. In the midst of that, I know what's happening with me is also what's happening with these guys is not hearing the story. I'm not hearing the echo. I'm not hearing the background song because remember, it's nearly Passover when God fed all of Israel in the wilderness with bread from Nightingale. I mean, bread from heaven that he rained down from there. And not only that, is that the echo in the Old Testament, but even in John, the last time that John said it was nearly Passover, it was right before Passover, is when Jesus took and turned water into wine. The background is plain, but can we hear it? See, the disciples here are focused on the amount of money and on the number of people, the lack of resources and the size of the problem, and maybe even their own ability to do something about it. It's the very things that we often focus on when we're facing what seems to be a difficult or impossible situation. What they're not focusing on is the same thing that we normally don't focus on. We're not focusing on the provisions that are already in hand and certainly not focusing on the presence of Jesus the one who's right there in their midst. See, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus can do a lot with our little. Jesus can do a lot with our little. It's a little lunch from a little kid that he takes and feeds all these people with. It's a little faith, a little mustard seed faith, even momentary faith. There's like a moment here where Andrew's like, I got this, ah, but it's not good enough. But for a moment, Andrew has faith. It's with a little bit that Jesus can do a lot. God never asks us to give him what we don't have. He never asks us to give him what we don't have. He asks us to trust him with whatever we've got, 
even if it doesn't seem like much, and even if it doesn't seem like enough, he invites us to place whatever it is that we do have in his, into his hands. Jesus is always asking us, what do you have? And will you trust me with it? Will you see what I can do? See, it's a whole lot harder for me to imagine myself in this story as the little kid. But maybe that's the invitation to childlike faith, to imagine ourselves as the little kid with the lunch. And I was trying to picture this earlier this week of this kid coming up, you know, maybe Andrew's dragging him. He's like, but it's my lunch. (laughs) And brings him to Jesus. And imagine Jesus bending down. Jesus looking the kid in the eye. Probably asking him what his name is. Then holding out his hands. And the kid going... And then Jesus going, thanks, kid. And I can imagine Jesus winking at him. (laughs) Or maybe whispering, watch this. (laughs) And I, I wonder how many times Jesus would like to have those moments with us. To kneel down in front of us for us to bring our little feeble offering. (laughs) Jesus, this is all I've got. And I'm sure it's not enough. And for him to go, thanks, kid. Watch this. Watch what I'm going to do. So Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass there. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. And then Jesus took the bread. And when he'd given thanks, he distributed it to those who were sitting there. And he did the same with the fish each getting as much as they wanted. And when they had plenty to eat, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftovers so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that had been left over by those who had eaten. At this point, Jesus gets the rest of his disciples involved. He asked them for a little bit of service, a little help organizing and distributing and gathering. They didn't have any cash. They left their fish and chips at home, but they could still help. They could still participate. They could still offer a little, and Jesus gets them involved. And then Jesus took the bread, and he gave thanks. The verb there in Greek is where we get the word Eucharist from. John's gospel doesn't record the Last Supper, But it does record this story and gives us an echo of communion. The Lord's table we're going to come to in just a moment. John, of course, uses different words than Luke uses. Luke's gospel says that Jesus takes bread and he blesses it. And he breaks it and he gives it. Those are the words that we use every single week in our table liturgy. They're the words that our founding pastor, Glenn Packiam, often set before us over and over and over again. Blessed, broken, and given. It's an imaginative invitation to see our lives like bread. To see our lives as simple. But in Jesus' hands, what we see throughout the Gospels is that bread becomes more than bread. In Jesus' hands, bread becomes a sacrament. Bread becomes a means of grace for others. And so can our lives and whatever little we have in Jesus' hands can become something incredibly 
more. Our lives individually and our life collectively as a congregation can become a means of grace to one another and to our world. Jesus is always looking for people to be part of his grace distribution system. His way of saying, I'll take your little and watch what I can do. See, Jesus can do a lot with our little and what he does with our little is a lot for others. Jesus takes our little and he does a lot for other people. And this is so often where we miss the point. This is often where we miss the point, especially as 21st century Western American Christians. Oftentimes our focus is on, well, what can God do for me? What will God do for me? What's in it for me in this situation? But we see here is that the question that we're meant to ask is, what could God do through me for other people? The question that the gospel asks us to, to ask is not so much what's in it for me, though there is abundance for us, but the question is what's in me or what do I have that God may use for others? See, our little is not our means to more. Our little has never been our means to more. Our little, our little is meant to be a means of grace for other people. It's meant to be a means of grace for other. Paul or picks up on this in 2 Corinthians says, you will be rich, rich in every way. Why? So that you can be generous in every way. And then immediately we kind of suppose, well, but what about us? What about me? But here's the beauty. When we live in community, when we live in the community that God calls us to live in, other people's little becomes a means of grace for us. See, our little is a means of grace for others. Their little is a means of grace for us. And in it, Jesus multiplies it all. It becomes more than enough for all. See, everyone in this story had plenty to eat. Even the kid who gave up his lunch, he had plenty. I was trying to imagine the little kid sitting down to eat. And I was specifically thinking, I wonder what his face looked like when he took the third piece of fish. <laughs> He's like, Mom, I had two. <laughs> but now there was a third. <laughs> but it wasn't just the kid that ate. The miracle wasn't just for him. There was enough for everyone. And there were leftovers. There was more than enough. Remember the soundtrack in the backgrounds? It was near Passover. The time when God had rescued his people from Egypt and he brought them into the wilderness and he gave them manna. He gave them daily bread. And the passage that was read, there was enough for everyone to eat their fill. And on the sixth day, there was leftovers. There was more than enough. The echo rings. It resonates. In the very next story, Jesus goes walking on the water, which I don't have time to cover today, so you can talk about it over lunch. Uh, but right after that, the crowd finds Jesus, and then the conversation turns back to the bread miracle. The next day, the crowds come looking for him, and they find him on the other side of the lake, on the north side now, and the conversation unfolds, and they want to know, what does God require of us? What work does he want us to do? And Jesus tells them that what God requires is that they believe in him, that they trust in him, that they put their whole lives into him. And they're like, well, what sign will you give us? This is the same crowd, but just ate and leftovers from a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish. What sign will you give us? 
In other words, will you do something that's deserving of our trust? It's really the question behind the question. Will you do something that's deserving of our trust? I wonder how often we do the same thing to Jesus. I know I do. (laughs) Jesus, I'll believe you when you do this. Jesus, I'll believe you if you do this. Jesus, I'll trust you with this if you'll do this over here. And what the gospels present to us is that perhaps Jesus has already performed the signs and the signs are all around us. And one more sign won't make the difference that we think it's going to. That really the invitation is now to trust. To trust in the signs that we've already been given. This happens so often in the gospels. Jesus does signs, but he never does them on demand. Every time people ask him for a sign, he says, the only one you're going to get is my death and resurrection. That's the sign that you're going to get. That's the sign that's presented before us. Every time else that they demand, he says, no, I'm not going to do it that way. Every time I see that scene in Lord of the Rings, uh, when Gandalf is coming to see Bilbo about the ring, and, you know, they're getting to this fight, he says, Bilbo Baggins! Don't take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. I'm like, I wonder how God feels. That's like, (laughs) I wonder how many times that's his response to me. He's like, God, could you do this? I'm not some conjurer of cheap tricks, Jason. Trust me. But the people ask anyway. They go on and they say, but our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness. They're going back. They hear the echo now. They're catching it. Just as it was written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus told them, I assure you, it wasn't Moses who gave them bread from heaven, gave bread from heaven to you, but my Father who gives you now the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the whole world. And they said, Sir, give us this bread. All the time. And then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The crowds come to him and they're like, hey, you know what Moses did? Moses fed fed several thousand every day for 40 years. By my calculations, Jesus, you are 14,599 days short. What else are you going to do? And Moses had bread come down from heaven. You just did, you know, some miracle with some cheap barley loaves from someone's kitchen. What are you going to do, Jesus? And then Jesus reorients them. He says, it wasn't Moses. It was my father. He gave manna to Israel, but he is now giving true bread to the whole world. Manna sustained people for a day, but this bread gives life and life eternal. And they suddenly get it. And they go, give us this bread. It's the same response that the woman at the well had, the Samaritan woman. She said, give us, give me that water. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. It's Jesus' way of saying, you're not really looking for a sign. You're not really looking for bread or for water or for anything else. You don't know it, but you're looking for me. 
I'm the one that you're looking for. Every desire that you have in life is ultimately fulfilled in me. It's Jesus' way of saying that he is both our provider and our provision. He's not only the one who gives, but he is the very thing, the very one that we are given. See, every hunger, every thirst, every desire, every longing that we have is meant to be a sign that points us to Jesus who's the only one who can satisfy every deep hunger in our souls. He's the only one who can quench every thirst that we have. The fulfillment that we're looking for is not gonna be found in things. It's not gonna be found in a change of situation or circumstance. The thing that we're really looking for is Jesus himself and the quenching, the longing, the hunger that we have is ultimately for him. See, Lent is a season in which we fast to remind ourselves of this truth. We fast in order to have our longings reordered. We give up a meal or a delicacy or an indulgence or chocolate or something. We give all of that up to remember what I really need is the bread from heaven. What I really need is Jesus. We refrain from entertainment, from binge watching whatever, you know, suit spinoff show is on Netflix because we say what I really need is eternal joy. What I really need is not to be entertained for a moment, but I need the joy of salvation to spring up inside of me. We log off of social media to recognize that what I really need is true intimacy and true significance that doesn't come from disembodied relationships or from a number of likes on my phone, but really that comes only from Jesus reminding me that I am his beloved son and daughter and my little is so much for him. That's where we find significance. We fast in order to find all those things in Jesus. So as we come to the table today, so we invite the worship team and Blake to come back up. This is what we do every week at the table as well. We remind ourselves that our true hunger, that our true thirst is for Jesus himself. And so as we prepare our hearts to come, I would like you to just take a moment and ask right now in your own life, is there a little that Jesus is asking you to place in his hands? Is there something he's asking, hey, would you just trust me with it? Would you ask Jesus to help you to trust him in a place that it's hard today? Or maybe you're feeling a, a hope that has gone unrealized, a desire that has been unmet, a longing that feels unfulfilled, and it's eating away at you. And you're looking and grasping and trying to meet, to meet it. Would you be willing to offer that to Jesus in prayer today? And to say, Jesus, as I come to the table, would you teach me what it means to see this longing as a smaller longing, a real longing, legitimate longing, but, a, but my real longing is for something deeper. And it's for you. And would you meet me here today at your table? So friends, family, people of God, we gather here at Jesus' table. All who believe that Jesus is the true king of the world are welcome to receive here, regardless of your church affiliation or your background. And if that doesn't describe you, thank you for coming to join us today, to be part of worship, to look after and seek after this Jesus, to try to find him here with us today.
We're honored by that. And we encourage you to keep coming. Keep asking questions with the people who maybe brought you here today or those in your community. And if you're ready to begin following Jesus, we invite you to join us as we confess our sin and ask for forgiveness and trust him for our salvation. This Lent, we'll be praying a little bit of a different prayer. We'll be praying a prayer based on the ancient prayer from Psalm 51. This will be our prayer of confession. Would you join me? The words will be on the screen for us. Have mercy on us, God, according to your faithful love. Wipe away our wrongdoings according to your great compassion. Wash us completely clean of our guilt. Purify us from our sin. We know our wrongdoings. Our sin is always right in front of us. We've sinned against you. We've committed evil in your sight. Purify us, and we will be clean. Wash us, and we will be whiter than snow. Create in us a pure heart, O God. Renew your spirit within us, and restore to us the joy of your salvation. Amen. And it's my joy to announce good news to you. Words that are true, not just because I say them, not at all because I say them, but because of what God has done through us, done for us through Jesus Christ. So would you open up your hands and receive again the mercy of God? Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. So as those who have been raised to new life with Jesus, would you stand and greet those instead of in the peace of the Lord, extend forgiveness to one another by saying, in the name of Jesus, you are forgiven. Pass that forgiveness on today. Let us proclaim together that Jesus is here. His Spirit is with us. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. Will we thank Him for all He's doing, all He's extending to us today? Thank you, Father. It is a good and joyful thing to give thanks to you, Father Almighty. You formed us in your image. You breathed your life into us. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When we were unfaithful, you sent your Son to be faithful on our behalf. On the night that he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, a simple, small thing. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. 
This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of your mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we proclaim the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. So as we prepare for this moment of bringing our little to the table, trusting that Jesus will bring so much more, would you stretch your hands out, open them, inviting the Holy Spirit, or maybe lift them toward the elements today, asking God to do something unique in these small things that he's turning into something significant. Let's pray. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and wine. May they be for us the body and blood of Jesus, that we may be for the world, the body of Jesus redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Jesus, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until you, Lord, return in final victory. Amen. I'll invite the servers up at this time. So friends, if this is your first time to worship with us, We are glad you're here. Let's remember that these are the gifts of God and they're given for us, the people of God. We receive them in remembrance that Jesus has died for each and every one of us. And we feed on him in our hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. So thank you for joining us today. If you have never seen how we take communion, just simply follow along with someone beside you or ask a question as you go. Or if you need some more instruction, there's some QR codes on the screens for us today. If you're in the balcony, we invite you to join us on the right section of uh, the room. Or if you're unable to come and get the elements, we ask you just to make a request to someone beside you. That we could be community together is just by making a simple ask of, hey, could you help me today? But in all of this, we are coming to worship at the table of the Lord. Let's continue that worship together as we come into this moment.
to the bread of heaven. Can we sing one last time together? We lift. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes. You're the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes. You're the giver of life. Oh, we lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes. You're the giver of life. Lord, we lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes. You alone. You alone can rescue, you alone can save, you alone can lift us from the grave. You came down to find us, let us out of death. To you alone belongs the highest praise. To you alone. Amen. Well, church, if you happen to need prayer today, just a reminder that all of those who just serve communion are here to pray for you, with you, over you, however you need it today. They're here for you. So come and join. Don't leave here without bringing that to the Lord alongside these friends who are here to pray with you today. For all of us, we come here not just to be fed and to go out for ourselves, but to be sent back out into the world in ministry to all the world as we pray during communion this season. So would you open your hands to receive again this blessing? That the Lord would bless you. That he would keep you. That he would make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That as you bring your little to him, as you bring whatever you have to him, he would turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord this week. We'll see you around the city and hopefully back here next Sunday. Thanks so much, church. Yeah, he just stands away. That's awesome. Good work.